Ah. Uh, let's start from verse 2. And this is really not a good place to start, but because of time. So Nehemiah is receiving a visitor who came from Judah. The Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Next verse. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Now, mind you, Nehemiah is not affected by this. He was in the palace, safe, sound, protected, and provided for. None of these things he described affected him. Next verse. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before God of heaven. So the point is, what is happening in our world and in the USA in particular, how has it affected you? Is it just news? Have you prayed? Like the man of God said to us that we should pray privately at home. Or do we wait to come and pray on Sunday morning? How has it saddened you that a man or a woman will go to a store and buy school supplies for their children and some mad man will come there and just kill them? How has that torn our heart? Have we prayed? Oh, are we fasting about that? from this congregation. <laughs> I don't know. Are we mourning? Which means to be in deep, depressed, distressed state in your heart because of what happened. Now mind you, this man is not affected. And then he prayed. Now go with me to chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Verse Two. So the first thing is what we did here this morning. We prayed. That's what Nehemiah did. We prayed as Nehemiah prayed. But I want to challenge you. Please, don't let's make it a weekly prayer. This has to be a daily praying as you are prompted by the Holy Spirit based on the things that's happening around us. No one is exempt. Yesterday it was in El Paso, Texas. This morning it was in Dayton, Ohio. All of us go to the malls. Many of us go to the movies. These are all soft targets. And our kids go to school for crowd loud. What are we going to do? Except the Lord watch the house. The labor the, the, the watchman but labor in vain. But we must cooperate with God. That's what I'm saying to us this morning. 
So the first role of the church is to pray. And he said it well. Regardless of your political persuasion. Because let me tell you something about that. Because God had to deal with me on that. If your political, if your heart is not right with God and you are praying based on a uh, skewed political position, you are wasting your time. You must well just get ABC rhymes and start singing ABC. You are wasting your time. Our hearts must be aligned with God regardless of who or what. That's what makes prayer effective. It is the effectual prayer of a righteous man, not a political man. Righteous means being right standing with God. So the first thing we must do is pray. Pray without bias, without prejudice. The next thing Nehemiah do, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 2, Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you are not sick. This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Next verse. And said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs. Let me just stop there for a minute. The same thing was happening in Africa. Kenny, it's good to see you. Welcome back. Thank God you are not kidnapped while you are gone. Did you get the message I just wrote? Did you get that coded message? Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, again, many of us are far removed from what's happening in Africa. They are kidnapping people. They are killing them. They can't eat. They can't drink. There are no hospitals. Schools don't function. Nothing works. When you get out of church in a minute, you're going to get in your Lamborghini and drive home and say, God is in the blessing business. Nehemiah was away from home, but he had connection with home. This place of his father's tombs lies waste. Its gates are burned with fire. Go ahead. Go ahead. Then the king said to me, what do you request? And this, this is my second point. Other than praying, what can the church do? Other than praying, we pray, 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 pray. Jesus answered the prayer in Matthew chapter 7. He said, the laborers are few. He said, the harvest is plenty. That's not the problem. But the laborers, in other words, church, you keep on praying. Who among you will get involved? Who? Who are you praying for? Because Nehemiah prayed, and it became the answer to his prayer. Yes, sir. He didn't pray and say, God, send Shun while I stay here in the palace. He didn't pray and say, God, send Charlie while I stay here in Lawrenceville. He didn't pray and say, God, send Brother Emmanuel. No! He prayed. And I felt like God said, you are the one. You are the answer to your prayer. Go! What are you doing? You talk about the killers in America. What are you doing about it? Because November is coming, there will be a new election across the board. Many of you will stay, stay at home and don't vote. And then you have the audacity to say nothing is happening. What will it happen? When all we do is talk in social media and we don't take responsibility for what we're talking about. 
lawmakers who are all jokers. Say jokers. jokers. Oh, you didn't say You don't mean it. Say jokers. If the church will arise and begin to say, what is your position on ABC? And if it does not line up with God's heart, you are out of the office. Simple. Why can't we get these jokers in the legislature to change the laws about gun control? Since I've been in this country, I've been talking about it. It happened once in New Zealand and within two weeks, the law was changed. So they're going to say, pray for the families. Keep them in your prayers. Our thoughts are with them. Uh, it's time for a good hearing. They hear and hear and hear. They're deaf. They are what? Torn deaf. You have torn deaf people representing you. And then you're saying you're praying. God is looking at you. You're wasting your time. Are you hearing me this morning? Nehemiah prayed. And then Nehemiah took action. Who are you mobilizing? To make sure come November. They get to the post and vote. We need to change these people. Why does a man or a woman think they have the life right to represent a constituent for 50 years? Or 40 years? Or 30 years? Are they the only one that understands the constitution? And then we are surprised that nothing changes. Why will it change? When we keep on sending the same people every congressional time back to Washington, D.C. Why will it change? That was a bonus. Father, we want to thank you for our time this morning. We bless you, Lord Jesus, for your grace that's upon us. As Paul said, that your grace on us will not be in vain. And it will not be squandered or wasted. We embrace the power and the presence of your spirit. We thank you because we know you're here. And you are the one moving upon our hearts to line up with you. And to cooperate with you. And to be the answer to our world. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I've got 30 minutes on the clock. Let's do what I can do in 30 minutes. And then we'll catch you on Wednesday night. And then we'll just go from there. All right. My first scripture, Romans 8, 9, and I just want to use this as an introduction. Thank you. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, it's not is. And so the title this morning is, I'm using the title, The Spirit of Grace, who is the administrator of God's will. The Spirit of Grace, who is the administrator of God's will. So I just want to show you Four scriptures, one after the other, and then, uh, and then I'm going to do something, and then we're going to go on. So this first scripture describes the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ. Give it to me in First Peter one eleven. Thank you. Searching word or one man, one man of time that again, Spirit of what Christ, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, and the glories that will follow. Now give me Hebrews 10, 29. Hebrews 10, 29. Thank you. Of how much worse punishment 
Do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God on the foot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Zechariah 12.10. Thank you. And I'll pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. So let me just stop right there. So the Holy Spirit is called many things in the scripture. He's a helper. He's a comforter. He's the power of God. He's the presence of God. And as we just saw in these four scriptures I just showed you, it's also called the spirit of Christ and the spirit of grace. Are you guys following me so far? There are two other scriptures I didn't put on the overhead where the spirit of God is also referred to just like that, spirit of God. So this is the point I'm making as I started this message. Whether you call him the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God or the spirit of grace, you are speaking of the same person. Spirit of God, spirit of Christ, spirit of grace is talking about the same person. The spirit is the common denominator in spirit of God, spirit of grace, spirit of Christ. So we all can agree that that spirit is God. Is that correct? Is that a hard, is that hard to see? The spirit of Christ is God. The spirit of God is God. What makes the spirit of grace then? The spirit of grace is also God. So by extrapolation, God, Christ, and grace is the same. Is, is that hard to see? All you mathematicians, all you, Pastor Charles, you're an accountant, you're a deep mathematician. Do you see that equation? A equals to B. <laughs> B equals to C. So A is equal to C. Exactly. Exactly. The spirit of Christ. The spirit of God, the spirit of grace. If Christ is God and God is God, then grace is also God. Therefore, Jesus and grace is the same. This is important we see this. And the reason I'm starting out here this morning is because I'm trying to impress you that grace is not a doctrine. It's not a curriculum. It's not just something you pull out of the Bible or something you just discount. Grace, in fact, is a way of living. Jesus is a way of living. So if Jesus is a way of living and Jesus and grace is the same, therefore, grace is a way of living. This is the fact. Now, I'm going to pick up from where I left off a couple of weeks ago where we began to talk about how uh, these emblems of the Holy Spirit where oil was concerned in particular. I mentioned four things about the oil of the Holy Spirit that we saw in the book of Zechariah chapter 4 and, Ze and Exodus chapter 27. Number one, I said the oil represents lubrication. Do you remember that? Uh, five people remember us. Do you guys remember that? It would be nice if you guys would talk back. 
I'm not going to ask you any questions. So, ease, relax. Lubrication. Now, what did I say lubrication was for? No, no, that's all right. <laughs> so, we said that the oil helps with lubrication, which helps to reduce friction. It helps to cleanse. It helps to remove corrosion in an engine part. It helps to, uh, to reduce heat buildup. And it helps improve fuel efficiency. There's a lot to that, but I'm not going to talk that today because I need to move on. Secondly, we said the oil helps with restoration. Luke 10, 34, the Good Samaritan. Then next we said the oil speaks to us of illumination, direction, and insight. I ended up my, that message, however, by talking about how the oil speaks to us of oil-based fragrance. And that's where I want to pick up this morning. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The spirit of grace. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Wow, it's raining. That means we're going to be in church for a long time. You can't go home, I mean... So, we got here to this message by helping us to understand that the spirit of grace or the Holy Spirit who administers everything Jesus to us today. He, the Holy Spirit, is the administrator of God's will on the earth today. And so if I'm going to be keeping in step with God, then I need to be intimately relating to the Holy Spirit whose job it is not only to bless me but also to empower me so that I can be complete in everything God and I can live out the will of God here in the earth. So 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Pastor uh, Charles could not have said it any better last Sunday as he began to, to, to establish the message of how God is looking to walk through all of us regardless of where we are, regardless of where we find ourselves. That how the power of the Holy Spirit is looking to manifest Jesus through each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Now, According to the New Testament, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is the most important factor in effective evangelism. According to the New Testament, the role, the place, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is the most important factor because it's everything Holy Spirit that makes anything happen. In Acts 1.8, Acts 1.8, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, notice. He said, you will receive something, Bushy. Is that not what it says? Did you hear that? Are you all right? You all right? Okay. <laughs> you shall receive power. Now, hear God now. 
Pastor Charles, God is not asking me to do something of which is not equipped me. Absolutely. He said, you receive something. However, after you receive it, there is something I want you to do with what I am giving you of which you received. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes up, has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Judea, Samaria, and uh, the uttermost part of the, of the earth. So we receive first, and as a result of what we received, there's an expected obligation. Yes, sir. The problem with us, we like to receive. But we loathe the responsibility of the receiving. But I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit and God himself are wise stewards. Yes, sir. They invest where they believe they're going to get a return. Amen. They invest where they're expecting to get a return. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So this morning, even though I'm speaking on the Spirit of Grace, who is the administrator of the will of God on the earth, for a subtitle, I want to speak to us specifically on the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. The role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. We see in three different areas of scriptures. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. What the Holy Spirit did in Jesus' ministry. Luke 4, 18. Luke 4, 18. Thank you. Now this is Jesus, the Son of God. Who came to the earth to minister in the earth. He, Jesus, could not minister except through the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Was Jesus poor? No. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Was his heart broken? No. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Was he a captive? No. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to minister recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Was he oppressed or was he blind? No. No. The point I'm making is the spirit came upon him, Jesus, who had none of these needs. He was not poor. He was not brokenhearted. He didn't need to be set free. And he was not blind. But the Spirit came upon him so that he, Jesus, can help others who were in those conditions. I can tell already, many of you are fast asleep as I'm listening to you. I'm looking at you. You are in deep slumber already. Why? Because I'm not telling you how God is going to buy you a new car, buy you, bring you a new house, get you a new wife. Give it. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. But what I'm showing you this morning is the true reason for which not only are you blessed, but you continue to be blessed. The role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. Personally said it when he was praying. God does not wish that any should perish. This is the greatest mission on the face of the earth. That you and I have been invited by a holy, powerful, most awesome God to partner together with him to save the rest of the world. And yet we don't understand that. Amen? Acts 10.38 The Bible is still talking about Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about what? Doing good. And healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. So the Holy Ghost on him, what did he do? It empowered him to do good. How much good are we doing with what we've received? Ah, I'm glad. It's, it's very quiet and I like the silence. Because the good that God is talking about here is not the good car I drive. It's not the good house I'm living in. It's not my nice blue jeans. No. Those things you don't take to with you to eternity. The good God is talking about is how is my life and your life impacting other people's life for good? How? We just saw Miss uh, Lillian talk about how her life has changed since she started coming to, to this church. We thank God for that. And I pray that that's a testimony of everyone in this house. But ultimately the point is this. How is your life being relevant to other people around you? Because that's reason for the Holy Spirit. Ah, you guys want to talk about the gospel of grace? That's what we are talking about. Amen. Pastor Chad, he laid it up so beautifully last week. Let me go back to that scripture, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, please. Very quickly. For we are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the, the gift, singular, particular, the gift of God. Next verse. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when he's saying it's not of works, it means you cannot do anything to get saved. It's saying you cannot work, labor, perform to get saved or to earn the favor or blessings of God. But don't stop there. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Because the man that told us about not of works in 1 Corinthians 15 10 says, by the grace of God. Notice the subject. What is the subject? The grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Oh my God. When I stand before God, Pastor Charlie, I want to say, God, thank you for your grace. Amen. I received it. I embraced it. It worked in me. And Jesus, it was not in vain. Amen. Can we all say that? 
listen, 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 listen. There's a message that's coming yonder. It's coming, it's coming early next year that will address eternal rewards. Paul, with confidence, said the grace of God upon my life is not in vain. Can you and I, if we do an appraisal, can we say with boldness and confidence that this grace we enjoy, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God, is not in vain in our lives? That's what Paul said. Now notice, let me read on. But I labored more abundantly than they are. Oh, 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 oh. I thought it's not by works. Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 8 and 9. We are saved by faith, by grace through faith, not of works. But here it says he labored. He labored. James 2, 10 tells us faith without works is what? Dead. He labored. More than they are. Then he says, yet not I. I didn't do it in the arm of my flesh. I didn't do it by the whims of my own imagination. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In other words, I walked. But I was not walking to earn God's favor. I was walking because I'm already favored. Amen. How much clearer can that get? I labored. I walked. I was not lazy. I was not slothful. I was not careless. The grace of God, God's favor, when I think of how much God loves me, when I think of God, what God has given me, when I think of how, how blessed I am, I'm motivated. God, let's go get something done for the kingdom of God. That's propagation. Yes. That's, the, that's the application of grace. This is, Paul is the one that told us about grace. And he's the one that telling us how much he labored. But quickly qualified it. He said, the grace of God labored in me. Yeah. So you must understand God is a wise steward. It's wiser than those guys in, stock, in the what they call it, stock market. Wall Street. Much wiser than them. You think God is going to give you an investment, a seed of which there will be no reckoning or accountability? We just haven't got there yet. We must establish the message properly to get there. So in the meantime, we are seeing what God is saying through Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to minister to all these people. Acts 10.38, as we read it already, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he sat down on the Holy Ghost. No. He went about doing good. This is grace in person. Jesus and grace is synonymous. Grace didn't sit down on the goodness of God. He went about doing good and healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. Amen? And the disciples were the same way, but I will save that for Wednesday because I need to move on. I have 11 more minutes for today's, for today's message. So now, how does the Holy Spirit empower you and I to evangelize? How does he do it? Point number one. He guides us to receptive people and creates opportunities for witness. He guides us 
to receptive people and creates opportunities for witness. Uh, give me Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. In the New American Standard. Galatians 5, 25. In the New American Standard, if you can find it. That's N-A-S-B. Thank you. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So the point here being, God guides you and I because we are spiritual beings. He's going to guide you into situations, into circumstances where you get a chance to share with those that he, God, already knows are receptive to the opportunities he's creating. Bill Hybels says this. He said the most important factor in evangelistic potency is being a lot and responsive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Let me say that again. This is from Bill Hybels. He said the most important factor in evangelistic, put, is in evangelistic potency, in other words, evangelistic efficiency, is being alert and responsive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Case in point. Let's look at some examples, some very practical examples in the scripture. Remember the point I'm making right now is that God guides you and I to receptive people and creates opportunities to witness. God does that. If you and I are attuned to the spirit of God, because his heart is to bring more people to glory, to the kingdom. That's his heart. That's what he wants. The sum total of everything God is to increase the kingdom of God. And he does that through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the sum total. So, let's look at some scriptures from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. So the first point I'm making this morning is how that God guides us to receptive people and he, God, creates the opportunities for us to share with them. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Now, this was going on. Ah, let, let me start from verse 26. I'm sorry, let me start from verse 26 so it will make sense. Acts 8, 26. Thank you. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise! And go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, what's happening here? There's a revival taking place. The move of the spirit. Things are happening. Signs, wonders are taking place. And in the midst of that revival, God tells Philip. Philip the evangelist, the one who's hosting the powerful meeting. Get up. Go to the desert. Now, if you and I were to hear that today, would you, would you move? Now, I'm telling us the difference between seeing the move of God and just living a boring status quo life. Right in the midst of revival, signs, wonders taking place, Philip introduces us. The great man of God is here, Mr. Philip. Hallelujah, give me a hand clap. In the midst of that, God said, get up. Go to the desert. 
How many of you know nothing happens in the desert? Not a soul. And that's exactly where God sent him. In other words, if you and I are going to follow God in this day and time, you must be willing to, 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 to accept that which is contrary to your thinking. You must be willing to accept that which is contrary to your regular normal thinking. What verse am I on? Okay. So when they are testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to you. Wait a minute, where are you? I was in verse 29. Okay, 27. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under kindness, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Go on. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. So the point here is, God took this Philip away from a massive evangelistic meaning. To the desert to touch one man. Because this one man will be key in the future move of God. Go and touch this guy. Let's read on. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a man who had the potentiality of financing the gospel for years to come. He had come to church. The church didn't touch him. He was on his way back home and God said, leave your meeting and go join that guy. The rest is history. Give me verse 39. Verse 39. Now when he had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the Enoch saw him no more and he went on on his way rejoicing. The guy was leaving Jerusalem in sadness, but ultimately he left back to his country in Ethiopia rejoicing. What happened? Why? Because the Holy Spirit, having prompted Philip to go share with the guy, received the gospel, and his life is totally changed. It's changed. It's changed. So how does the Spirit empower us to evangelize? It guides us to receptive people and creates opportunity to witness. God guides you and I to receptive people. And he, God, creates the opportunity for us to witness. He did. Can you imagine how sensitive Philip must have had to be? You're on the campaign ground. Thousands of people. You're ministering night after night. Signs and wonders are taking place. And right in the midst of that, God, God said, get up. Go to the desert. How sensitive did they have to be? And the point I'm making is, you and I must be that sensitive to the voice of God. When everything around us is saying the opposite, you must have the God, God's gut within you to say, you know what, I hear what God is saying. I'm gone. I'm gone. And that's what the guy did. Okay? Let's look one more. Acts 10, 19. I'm just establishing this message this morning. There's, there's so much more. Acts 10, 19. Thank you. 
So here we have Peter. And the Bible says, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Go on. Read on. Arise therefore, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the man who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I'm he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Let me just stop right there. You know the rest of the story. Peter goes to Cornelius, begins to preach the gospel, and before he could finish his message, bang! The Spirit of God comes upon Cornelius, gets born again. Gets born again. So the point here is that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you and I to those who are already receptive. He, God, will create the opportunities for you to share of this marvelous grace of God that you received in and through Christ Jesus. That's the only way we're going to multiply this message. And it goes on and on and on. So I'm not going to try to go any further today because of time. I know we have some other things we have to do. So the number one point I've made this morning is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to evangelize. And the first point I'm making under that subtitle is the fact that he guides us to receptive people and creates opportunity for witness. Listen, those that are working with you on your job, those that live with you in your communities, I'm telling you, their eyeballs are on you. Yes. You are the only gospel many of them will ever read. And you must understand that the Spirit of God has empowered you with the ability to display Christ. Now, sometimes that ability to display him is not something that is so obvious to you. Just like a man or a woman that's wearing a nice cologne or perfume. After a while, they don't smell it any longer. Sure. But when they walk past you, you catch a whiff of that. Oh, wow, that's nice. Just what are you wearing? Sharon, what are you wearing? You're wearing it, but you're taking it for granted because you've been in it for so long, it does, you don't smell it any longer. But those with whom you inter interact, they are acutely aware of what you're wearing. When Pastor IBK walks in the, walk in the walkway, I know he's walking around. I can, tell you the, I can tell you the name of the cologne he wears. I'm not joking. Angel, sir, right. since you're asking me. Right. But am I correct? Right, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I've caught the whiff so many times. I said, what is that? Oh, they say, I beg you just walk by. I say, okay, I beg you just walk by. Amen. And contrary, so some of you wear some very bulky stuff. <laughs> Don't let's go there. Let's leave that one alone. <laughs> but the point I'm making is this. You are carrying something. Whether you are consciously aware of it or not. From this day forward, I want you to be aware that you are the Jesus others around you are looking at. Amen. You and I are written epistles 
read by of all men. And God is looking to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Amen. That's the whole purpose of all this enterprise. And it will happen as we interact with one another, well aware that we have the opportunity to share the gospel. With them. I will never forget, I'm going to close with this, and I know I've gone over a little time. I will never forget working at Eastern Airlines. I will never forget. How zealous I was. I'm going to start a nightclub. I'm trying to invite the whole airport to come to my nightclub. We're going to have a great time. There are going to be plenty of women, plenty of dope to smoke. Just come. <laughs> what a combination. Dope and women. <laughs> Amen. True story. And I'm going from place to place at the airport, offering this stuff. And everybody taking my flyer and say, oh, yeah, bank, we're going to be there. Bank, we're going to be there. Bank, we're going to be there. And I was getting acceptance and partner on the back. Everybody, go, bank, we're going to be there. Except for this one guy. I gave him the flyer. And the only thing he said to me, looked at me and said, bank, you need God. Oh, wow. Ah. <laughs> me, I need God. I mean, I, I braggadoed him and said, I need God. Do you know what you're talking about? I left the guy. It's words were ringing in my head for days. He didn't tell me anything. I said, no, you need God. I sleep, I'm hearing you need God. I'm eating, I'm hearing you need God. I'm driving, I'm hearing you need God. Who is this God? I thought I was God. He didn't say anything else. I had to go find him out. After I could, the words could not leave my head. Rodney, who is, who, who is this God? Where is he? And I, it's a young man gave me liver. He didn't have 19 tests on how you to, need to, he just said where his church was. Finish. The rest is history. That's how I got born again. Just that simple. The point I'm making with us is, listen, we are God's witness on the earth. That's true. Stop thinking about what you have or what you don't have. Think about the God that resides in the inside of you. And that God is looking to make an expression of himself wherever you're going to open your mouth and let him loose. Father, we thank you for this message. As we begin to just paint a picture of who you are, the spirit of grace, the spirit of enablement, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, God yourself, that's who you are. Thank you, Lord God, for the work you've done in every heart and every man and every woman, saving us, empowering us, gifting us, placing your resources at our disposal so that through us, we can be your true representatives in the earth. God, we don't want to squander your grace. No, we don't. So where have we been weak? We receive strength this morning. Where have we been timid? We receive boldness. Where have we been discouraged? We receive the courage of God. 
We say, Father, we give ourselves totally, completely to you. Even areas where we lack understanding, we are trusting you that you make it plain, that you help us in the simplicity of your gospel and who you are. Help us to see the value you ascribe to our life and our living. That through us, it is your intention to call many sons and daughters to glory. God, help us to let our lights shine. Help us to become the salt of the earth. Help us to become your ambassadors here in the earth. That when it's all said and done, all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise will belong unto you. Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace will release you in the lives of every man and woman right now under the same voice. That this week will not be an ordinary week. It will be an extraordinary week where we'll sense your presence in a way that we've never known it. We'll hear you speak accurately. We'll hear you speak clearly. We'll see you move powerfully in the name of Jesus. Our lights will so shine before men and women that they will see our good works and glorify your name which is in heaven. Thank you, Papa. We honor, we bless you. That we're going to take this light of ours and we're going to let it burn. We're going to let it shine to the glory of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.